0: This is At The Table, a play-reading series by Charging Moose Media. A couple quick notes before we begin. First, if you'd like to find out more about the cast, make sure to stick around after part two of this episode for a little behind-the-scenes chat. Second, a content warning. Kin is a piece that deals primarily with racism, as well as a slew of other tough issues, and as a result, includes racist language and ideas, explicit language, suicide, and child abuse. If you're listening with kids or find it difficult to hear that stuff, we'd recommend skipping this episode. Thanks, and we hope you enjoy the play.
1: Gerald Lamont, who's currently sitting at his desk utterly riveted by something he's reading on his obsolescent desktop off stage we hear the frantic footfall of his daughter, Chris, first here, then there, then here again. Gerald doesn't seem to notice it at all.
2: Dad yeah you see my phone?
3: Nope,
1: the phone meanwhile is right <laughs> next to his hand.
2: Thanks so much for looking such a big help mm-hmm. When are you gonna get a new computer? It took me like half an hour to upload an assignment on that thing. It
3: works fine.
2: It better, after monthly visits to the tech doc.
3: At least I never spilled water on my computer.
2: It was apple juice, and this was the first time. What are you doing? Working. Really? Because it looks like you're fucking around on Facebook.
3: I still really hate it when you say fuck.
2: It looks like you're farting around on Facebook.
3: I'm researching. This is how I get ideas for pieces these days. Wow.
2: Welcome to the 21st century.
3: Listen, this is the garage of my friend and next-door neighbor, Jeff Browning. The vile slur spray-painted on it is the latest in a series of terrorist attacks against him by a handful of white supremacists that live in our town. They somehow found out that Jeff, who's about the whitest-looking man you've ever met, has African ancestry, and now they're targeting him. The police can't or won't do anything about it, so I'm posting this in hopes that it will find its way to the right eye, someone with a platform or the ability to pressure the authorities into doing the right thing. Jeff is a good man, has a wife and a one-month-old son who were both in the house when a brick came crashing through their window. Last week, he was unfairly fired from his job. They burned a cross on his lawn for crying out loud. It has to stop for his safety, for the well-being of his family, and for all that is good and decent in the world. Please share this post so that this matter gets the attention that it needs. Thank you.
2: Huh. What you think? I think that's a human interest story, and you're a politics writer.
3: Remember what Augusto Bol said. We, we must, must make, make the personal, personal a political, a political, political project, project and the political, political a personal, personal project. project.
2: But, like, in Spanish, it was way sexier.
3: I think there's something here.
2: You're going to interview him, aren't you?
3: I'm thinking about it. Where is this? Sharpsburg, Maryland.
2: Ah, there's the politic. That's Trump country.
3: And only an hour away. Fuck. Field trip. Christina Joy.
2: Fudge. Field trip. Can't you just call these people this... Alma lady seems more than open to a convo.
3: Yeah, of course I'll do that. But I'm guessing that talking to Jeff won't be as easy, or else Alma wouldn't be online fighting this battle for him. The man doesn't even have a Facebook account, I checked. He might not even pick up the phone. I can only imagine how many crank calls he's gotten. But he'll be home. He's got no job to go to, and his family's under constant threat. Plus. People feel beholden if you've traveled just to talk to little old them.
2: That is actually kind of brilliant.
3: I won't be gone long.
2: We better not. I've got an essay due. We? You think I'm letting you go into Confederate territory by yourself, black man? They just had a Klan rally there.
3: Yeah, in 2013. And there were like 12 people at Try that Try 20?
2: Which, in a town of 500...
3: 700. And most of them are good people, I'm sure. Still
2: not great odds. And you think the ratio hasn't tilted since Twitter took office?
3: It's not Afghanistan, Chris.
2: Um, Walter Scott, Freddie Gray, Alton Sterling, Philando Castile...
3: Cops love me.
2: Yeah. Remind me, how many times have they loved you this year so far?
3: Exactly. My point. When I get pulled over, it, it is always without incident. So far... It's fine, I'll be fine. Then
2: why don't you want me to come?
3: Because it is just not you have an essay, do. Fine, but I'm driving.
2: Yeah. the speed limit.
1: Browning home. A window in the living room is boarded up. The couch has must sheets and a pillow on it. In the kitchen, Jeff is making breakfast. The baby's in a baby seat on the kitchen table.
4: Michelle, I made eggs. There's only three left, so egg and a half each? I was gonna make toast, but I had to throw out the last couple of slices because there was mold. So much for making it last, right? But Poot says he can loan us some money come Tuesday, pick up some food, Michelle, come out now. Fine.
1: Stay asleep. I'm going to eat. Me and Hunter. Who's here? Jeff picks up Hunter's baby seat and heads into the living room. He sets the seat down someplace safe and heads to the door, grabbing a rifle that's waiting faithfully next to it.
3: My name's Gerald Lamont. Uh, Your friend Alma sent me.
4: You say Alma sent you?
3: Yes, sir. She said you've been having some uh, trouble with your neighbors. I'd like to help, if you'll let me. What do you think, Hunter? Should I open the door?
1: Yeah? Jeff opens the door cautiously. Not wielding his rifle, but not putting it down either.
3: Hello, Mr. Brownie. It's Jeff. Gerald, was it? Who are you? This is my daughter, Christina.
2: Hi.
1: How do you know Alma?
3: We're... Facebook friends.
1: <laughs> What's that? Gerald holds two bags of groceries. This,
3: um, we uh, figured you might need some reinforcements.
5: I
1: don't take charity from strangers.
3: But I'm not a stranger, at least in the sense that I am familiar with your situation. My situation? I had a newborn once. I remember how hard it was to get out of the house, especially the first few months when my wife was too exhausted to be left alone with that baby for too long. So, no, not charity at all. Just a gesture of solidarity.
1: Jeff steps aside. He checks to see if any of his neighbors are spying on this before shutting the door. He puts the rifle back in its place next to the door.
4: That's my son right there, Hunter. Hey, Hunter?
2: He's really cute. He's got your eyes.
4: Yeah. You all can sit. Here, let me take those into the kitchen. You want a glass of water? Dad. No, thank you.
3: It's fine, we're fine.
2: Really? You,
3: you, if you had been through what he's been through, you might want an arm yourself too. This was real thoughtful of you to bring this stuff. It's no big deal.
2: Organic.
4: Mm, it
2: smells weird in here.
4: You sure you don't want anything, some coffee?
3: I got some fancy coffee now, apparently, so. <laughs> really, we're fine. It filled up right before we got here.
4: And where do y'all come here from exactly? D.C. Huh. And what is it you do in D.C.? You a politician or something?
3: No, I um, I, I write for the Post.
4: The Washington Post? Yes. And you wanna help me? Yes. Well, how exactly?
3: There's no problem that can't be fixed with good publicity.
4: <laughs> I highly doubt that.
3: I can understand why you might.
4: you try to say I'm ignorant or something?
3: No, no, not, not at all. I meant that as reference to it's quite the ordeal you're going through. Seemingly insurmountable. Impossible to get through. Yeah, it is. But I think if the right people knew that what was happening to you, they would care enough to do something about it. People like who? The FBI? Yes, maybe.
2: Or... Maybe someone who could help you relocate to someplace a little safer for you and your family?
4: I don't want to relocate. I'm there ain't no refugee. This is my house. i my home all my life.
2: Okay, but... What
3: she's trying to say is you have options. I'd like to try to connect you with them by reporting on what's happening here. And just what do you know about what's
4: happening here?
3: I know what Alma shared with me. Which is? I know that you have African ancestry. <laughs> of course you do and that you're being persecuted for it. they burned a cross on your lawn, they've graffitied your garage, threw a brick through your window. I know you lost your job. That was not because I got African
4: ancestry.
3: No? What for then?
4: Window wasn't the only thing they broke when they threw that brick. You might want to get a pen.
2: Chris whips out her cell phone. Just a voice recording. (laughs) It's a little more efficient than scratching away on a notepad. Is that okay?
3: Sure. Sure. Cool. Thanks, Chris. So can we start with, uh, let's start with how you came to know that you have African ancestry and more to the point, how your tormentors came to know it.
4: Well, um, my wife, Michelle, she uh, when she found out she was pregnant, which you know, full disclosure happened before we were married, uh, When she found out she was pregnant, she told me she wouldn't go through with having my baby unless I had a DNA test done to prove, well, to prove that I was pure white. I didn't have any black in me. She said she didn't want a black baby, but I never bought into that idea that black is inferior. You know, people are people. I knew she was wrong for thinking like she thought, but I mean, she was carrying my baby, which I wanted.
3: so. So you got the test.
4: Right, I got the test, and it came back that I'm part...
3: I'm part African. Right.
4: Now I couldn't let her find out about that, knowing how she was. So I asked my friend Poot.
2: I'm sorry. Poot. You said his name is Poot.
4: Uh yeah, Co- Cody. Cody is his real name, but we call him Poot. Okay. Yeah, but Poot's real good with computers and graphics and whatnot, and I trust him. So I asked if he, you know, fix up the results, fix them so it looked like I ain't have no African in me. Ah. Yeah, only thing is though, Poot's kind of a playboy.
2: <laughs> is he now?
4: Yeah, and right around the time he was working on my results, he was messing with the girl whose dad is like one of the leaders of the, the white supremacist group. That's what I heard anyway.
1: The lights change and we are in a flashback. Jeff lets Poot in through the front door.
6: The window is whole and uncovered. I'm telling you, I know it was her. She wasn't waiting for me when I got back from here the other day, and it was strange when I didn't hear nothing from her, but I thought she was just annoyed that I took so long to come back and was like, cool. Because there's really no gracious way to kick a chick out of your place. You expect me to believe that your tech-savvy, security-obsessed self got hacked by a girl who still hasn't mastered the K-turn? No. No, man, of course she didn't hack me. The original. She must have got hold of the original. What? That's what I'm saying. When I finished working on it, I didn't know what to do with the old one. You burn it, you dumb fuck! I didn't know if you would want to keep it. For, For what? Like, posterity? You gotta be fucking kidding me. People got the right to the truth of where they come from. He came out of this here. He came out of that woman right in there. That's
1: all he need to know. The baby starts gag coughing. Jeff sprints into the kitchen. He's
7: fine, Jeff. I ain't killing him. Just drinking too eager. that's all.
1: Maybe if you didn't wait forever to
4: feed him, he wouldn't be drinking like you don't know where this next meal's coming from. I'm sorry. I just I know you're doing your best. Just I'm
6: sorry. It's not like I left it out in the open. I put it in a drawer when I knew she was coming over. She must have been snooping around like girls do when you leave for a minute. I didn't even know it was gone till I heard. You call the cops? Of course I did. We'll look into it. Right. Shit.
4: You should've destroyed it, Poot. You should've tore it to pieces and flushed it down the fucking toilet where it belongs.
6: I'm sorry, man. I'm really sorry. I know. I wasn't trying to sabotage you or nothing like that. I would never do that. I know.
4: I guess you're in the shit too, so...
6: I don't know. Probably won't be that bad for me. I was just an accessory. An accessory that happens to have dirt on pretty much everybody in this town. Anybody with any kind of sense ain't gonna fuck with a hacker, so. There ain't nobody coming for me, I don't think.
4: That does nothing to improve my opinion of you in this moment, Poot.
6: Sorry. What you gonna do?
1: I don't know. The lights change, and we're back in the present with Gerald and Chris.
4: And that's when it all started the burning cross, the harassing phone calls, the vandalism. And then one day, I come home from getting groceries.
1: The lights change, and we're in a flashback. Jeff stands at the front door holding a bag of groceries. The window has just been smashed by a brick. Michelle is on her hands and knees, scrubbing one particular spot in the carpet. What the fuck happened here? A brick. What? Jeff sprints into Hunter's room. Jeff enters with the baby in his arms. They threw a
4: fucking brick through my window with my son in the house?
7: Yeah. I cleaned up the glass. But then, while I was picking it up, I cut myself and got
1: blood on the... So, now I'm cleaning that up. Well, Michelle. Michelle is bleeding. A little too much for someone who accidentally cut herself. I don't... I don't want to, s- to stain. Michelle! Oh, M- Michelle! Michelle! Oh God, no, 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 Jeff is trying to hold the baby and grab his cell phone to call 911 while also stopping Michelle from bleeding. There is blood everywhere. Lights come back up in the present. Gerald and Chris are with Jeff.
2: Oh my God. Your wife, did she... Is she okay? I mean, did she survive?
4: Yeah. Yeah, she did but things aren't the same, you know? We're not the same. Of course you aren't.
2: Who would be? God.
4: Yeah. After that, I went out to lunch for a minute, which is why I got fired. But I left the house since then. And when did that happen? What's today, the seventh? The ninth. Oh, yeah, so uh, a little over three weeks then. Paternity leave was up even before that, so.
2: Oh my God.
4: Yeah. Poot's been bringing us stuff though, checking up on us.
2: He sounds like a good friend.
4: He is. He is.
3: You said his real name is Cody? What's his
4: last name? Uh. Spangler.
3: And would we be able to talk to him?
4: He's not really. I don't think he'd want to get any more mixed up in this than he already has.
3: Do you think your wife would be up for a talk? Where's she?
4: Um. Well, wow. being here after all that just proved too much, so she's with relatives in Georgia. A phone call then? Yeah, I don't think so. She, she's pretty broken up and, you know, she doesn't want to have nothing to do with me and the baby no more. She wants to forget the whole thing. So
2: well, that's fucked up.
3: I could explain to her that as it stands now, whatever I wind up writing won't exactly cast a favorable light on her. that talking to me would give her a chance to share her side of, of the story to get people to understand where she's coming from. Hmm.
2: You can try to understand if you want to. I don't need to understand anyone who thinks like that. Anyone who'd abandon her own baby because she thinks like that. Chris. What? I'm just saying what we're all thinking. You can't possibly tell me that you have an ounce of empathy for that woman. Even if she did try to kill herself, she's still a negligent bigot.
3: That's the man's wife you're talking about, Chris. And my job is not to empathize, it's to record.
2: No, that's this thing's job. I think you're more deliberate than that. No. And I think you're allowed to be, expected to be. This man has been wronged, I know it. You know it.
3: We can't know anything for sure. You
2: know it. Or else you wouldn't be in here using words like persecuted and tormentors. He's been wronged. And you can't have a wrong without a wrongdoer, Dad. Who's the wrongdoer here? Him? Doesn't look that way. Alma? She's trying to help him. Hunter there can't even say wrong, let alone do it. So who does that leave?
3: I get what you're saying, Chris. I do. I just don't want to jump to, to the easy conclusion. There are still a lot more questions we have to ask before we can get anywhere near a conclusion. Ask away. Well, uh, OK, let's go back for a second. You say that your wife, Michelle, right? You say that she told you that she threatened not to go through with it. hmm
2: a- threatened
3: you said she told you that she wouldn't carry the pregnancy to term unless you took the dna test this presumed that you would have gotten the results back in time for her to have an abortion if she didn't approve so what's the timeline there how far along was she in her pregnancy when you took the test and how long until you got the results back she had just missed the one period so
4: not far along at all maybe six weeks it only took about, what, six weeks to get the results back. So plenty of time left over for an abortion if she wanted one,
3: a legal one. Right. And how far uh, after that did you ask Poop to amend the results? Well,
4: basically the day I got him back.
3: And he did it right away, or?
4: Yeah, pretty much next day.
3: And he kept the original on his desk? Yeah. Until this one, a lady. Friend of his showed up over eight months later? And then, then and only then, did he think to sash it in a drawer? Yeah, he said he didn't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. Okay. I just want to clarify the timeline. Okay. So when in all of this did you decide you wanted to join the World Knights? Excuse me? When on this timeline that you have laid out, did you begin your initiation into the white supremacist group known as the World Knights?
4: I-I don't...
1: (laughs) Who told you that? The lights change and we are in a flashback. Gerald is on the phone with Alma dressed up in her scrubs.
3: You're a brave woman for sharing this story, Miss Tillery. Thank you for this.
8: Thank you for taking an interest in what's going on here. Really, and call me Alma.
3: Well, Alma, we'll be leaving here in maybe an hour so we can... We? I'll be bringing my daughter, Christina, as sort of an, an assistant. She's studying journalism, so this will be good practice for her.
8: Oh, that's nice, following in her father's footsteps.
3: Yes, I'm a proud papa. Anyway, we should get to Mr. Browning's house by about 1.30. Oh,
8: my shift's over at 2 if you'd be more comfortable with me there to introduce you or as support or something.
3: Well, I'll certainly want to follow up with you. But actually, I'd like the chance to talk with Mr. Browning alone first, if that's okay. There's some things it's easier to say in the presence of strangers than in, in the company of friends, you know?
8: Yeah, I do know. Um... Listen, Mr. Lamont. Gerald. uh, Gerald. I got to ask you something, and I don't want you to take offense. Okay. Are you, are you black? Because you sound, you know, black.
3: (laughs) Yes, I am indeed black. (laughs) Does that matter?
8: It's just that. I just don't want you to be blindsided by any um, racial
3: stuff. I'm sure I'll be fine. Plus, I know some folks in Sharpsburg. I know it's not as bad as the liberal media makes it out to be.
8: Yeah, that's not. I, I mean with Jeff, specifically. Oh. No, don't. I I don't mean that he's like a rabid racist or anything. He's just a good guy with some bad ideas. OK. He actually tried to. He was trying to join the white nationalists organization. It's how they found out about his ancestry and all that.
3: Oh, I can see why you left that part of, out of your post.
8: I really think he's just, he just does these things for the camaraderie, you know, to fit in, be liked.
3: These things, plural?
8: Yeah, you know, joining that group, telling little jokes. Mm. Thing is, I've never actually seen him in the presence of a of a black person, so I can't really say for sure how he really feels about him. I mean, I don't know if he actually believes any of that stuff
3: or- Or if he bite a nigger's face off.
8: Well, maybe not all that, but yeah. I feel like I'm really killing your goodwill here. It's like with every word that comes out of my mouth, you're less and less likely to share his story.
3: You kidding? White supremacist hopeful becomes a target of his own hate? That's a great story. I'd have to be an idiot not to want to share that.
8: Oh, um...
3: And goodwill has nothing to do with it. I once interviewed David Duke and Dick Cheney in the same day. So I'm pretty sure I can handle Mr. Browning and handle him fairly.
8: Okay. Well, I just felt I should mention it. In case. Mm.
3: Well, thank you. There's nothing a journalist values more than honesty, not even in his own safety. And now, if you don't mind, if, there's something I feel I should probably mention to you. Oh, of course. It's not an insult to call a black man black.
8: Oh. Uh, oh, right. Shit. <sighs> I got to run, duty calls, but I'll be there as soon as I can.
3: She's really sweet. And earnest. Yeah. And trustworthy. So, shall we begin again?
1: Scene 3. Darkness. Isolating lights upon Michelle, just standing.
7: I was raised Christian. Sort of. Mostly we just went to church for Easter and Christmas, but we bought that whole idea of heaven and hell and Jesus dying to save our souls and all that. But then you know how sometimes things can happen that make it real hard to keep believing what you've been taught to believe? It's like, this stuff's been planted in your head, and after a while you start to notice ain't nothing ever come up but weed, so you start wondering, you know? Yeah. Story of my life right there. <laughs> I ain't gonna bore you with the details, because whatever, what's done is done, and don't none of it matter now, but I ain't ashamed to tell you that I started studying other ways of thinking about our souls and the afterlife and all that. And maybe I'll go to hell for down Shit, maybe I'm in hell already. I don't know. What I do know is people believe some crazy shit, like have sex with snakes and wait for the spaceship type crazy. Though I guess if you think about it, some dude getting born to a virgin, performing what essentially amounts to the world's most epic magic show, and then getting nailed to the cross because his dad willed it, like, do it for the people, son. That sounds kind of crazy, too. (laughs) Anyway, I was reading about Hinduism, karma, and reincarnation. The idea that you can just keep coming back and coming back as different things until you do life right, until you get to the point where you don't even need life no more because you don't already got everything you can get out of it and you can just be energy, or like, I don't know, from the way they describe it, like a current of electricity just flowing around, happy, not needing nothing. I decided that don't sound so crazy. Sounds downright reasonable, actually, and kind. Like the universe is going, well, you fucked that up real good, let's go ahead and give you a do-over, okay? I'd like a do-over. I'm ready. Don't laugh, but for my next life, I hope I come back as an elephant. Partly because I just kind of want to know what it'd be like to be that damn big, but also because they're supposed to be real good mothers. And, like, not just to their own babies, but all the babies. (laughs) Whenever a baby elephant is born, all the ladies in the herd lend a hand. Or, you know, a trunk. How nice is that, right? Their pregnancies are, like, 22 months long, though. I think it'd probably be worth it.
1: Scene 4. The living room with Jeff, Gerald, Chris, and Hunter who is gurgling up a storm in his daddy's arms. It got
4: so I was afraid to leave her alone between everything the night's been doing and, you know, what she did with that glass. she begged and begged me to go buy some formula for the baby. Said she couldn't take the breastfeeding no more. In hindsight, I see now she was just trying to get me out of the house so she could make her escape. She left me a note. Want me to go get it?
3: Uh, I still have it. Please.
2: You're not seriously thinking about publishing a word of this. Why wouldn't I? Because he's a liar. A racist and a liar. So
3: is most of Washington. Your point?
2: My point is that you don't have to be an instrument for his salvation. Like, what are you trying to prove?
3: I'm not trying to prove anything. I'm just trying to let people know about a hateful thing that's happening in our our world.
2: Really, Dad? This just in. Hate exists.
3: This kind of hate is it currently undoing decades of political progress in this country.
2: But by helping this guy, aren't you just normalizing his behavior? Rewarding it, even.
1: Jeff hovers in the hall, hearing everything they say.
2: I mean, if you want to do something to create change... I'm
3: I- not trying to do something. I'm trying to do something different. Because clearly the same old, I stand over here, you stand over there, we shake our fists at each other thing isn't changing anything.
2: Okay, that's a fine idea and all, but don't- No,
3: no, but, and I'm done with ideas. I'm moving on to practice. That's what this is. It ain't perfect, but let me put it like this. 30 minutes ago, you were all for sharing this man's story. You felt badly for him. What changed?
2: Um, what do you mean, what changed? Facts. Facts changed.
3: Facts do not change, Chris. Your understanding of them does. You were not aware of the facts because you hadn't looked closely enough. Once you became aware of the facts, your whole attitude toward the man changed, right? Right. Think of how that might work moving in the other direction. Okay. Fact, we are black fact, he tried to join a, a group known to harbor ill will toward black people. Fact, we black people are here, in his home, offering a platform and the dignity that comes from having your troubles addressed. Despite our personal feelings, despite the potential danger we put ourselves in coming here, despite the natural human inclination toward reveling in the misfortune of those who hate us, We are here, and we are trying. We are doing something different. And once he sees that we genuinely want to help, once he grasps that fact that, okay, hate exists, but so does basic human goodness, maybe his attitude will change.
1: Jeff enters with a note in his hand.
3: Jeff, are you okay? I, uh,
4: I don't hate you. Who's here?
8: It's Alma. Hey.
4: Hey, um, your friends are here. We were talking.
3: You could have told me they were coming. I was going to, but... But I begged her not to. Journalism is at its most truthful when the subjects are unprepped. You understand?
8: Yeah. Is it safe to come in now? I mean, have you covered whatever you needed to cover?
3: I don't know, have we? Yes, I think so.
2: Actually, I
8: do still
2: have a couple of questions. Okay. Where was the baby?
8: When Michelle left, did she just leave him here?
4: Uh, No, no, she took him next door to Alma. Uh,
8: Oh, that day. Uh, Yeah, she brought Hunter over, asked me to keep an eye on him for a little while, said Jeff was out and she needed a break. And you did as she asked? Well. Yeah, I mean, we had some words first, but yeah, I did what she asked. I didn't know how safe the baby would be if I left him with her. She had been in a pretty desperate state to come to me looking for help. What do you mean? Uh, She didn't like you? Yeah. So you didn't cover everything?
1: The lights change and we're in a flashback. Michelle approaches Alma, holding Hunter in his chair. Alma is in the middle of fixing a lawnmower.
7: Hey. Oh, hey. Can you watch him? Jeff went out and I don't, I don't know what I'm liable to do if I don't get a break.
8: Um, I'm, I don't.
7: I hate your guts.
8: Oh, wow.
7: No, not really, I'm just jealous. I don't, whatever it is you have with Jeff. I I don't got nothing with Jeff. Yeah, well, I wish I had that kind of nothing. Anyway, what I meant to say is, I know we've had our differences or whatever, but the baby don't know nothing about grown folks business. He's innocent, I think. I mean, he got black in him and all, but he ain't never done nothing to nobody on purpose. The thing is, I can't, I can't look at him now. I mean, it was hard enough before because of my hormones or whatever. But now I can't look at him without thinking about how the one pure thing I ever made in my whole life is tainted. He's polluted. I know to you it sounds awful, but trust me, it's even more awful feeling it. Feeling it about your own kid. Like the one thing that's supposed to give you joy, and he ain't give me nothing but pain. Give me pain coming out of me, give me pain every time he chomped down on my nipple, give me pain when the people who was going to finally respect me found out what he really is... Give me pain when he cry and cry around me, but quiet for anybody else. He's quiet for you. He likes you. So, I make both the men in my life what like you better than me.
8: Take him.
1: Alma takes the baby. Michelle quickly starts to walk away.
8: There's something wrong with you.
1: Michelle stops. She does
8: not turn around. There's a lot of something's wrong with you. Like, where do you start? Hormones I can understand, but that's a temporary thing. You, Miss Michelle, are like permanently fucked. You are perma-fucked. You are messed up beyond repair. Between the slutting around and the victim complex and the bigotry. Like, who's bigoted against their own baby? Do you know how sick you have to be to and I know about sick. I'm a goddamn emergency room nurse for fuck's sake. I've seen a lot of sick people, but you take the cake, sweetheart. You are the queen of fucksville, and Jeff and Hunter deserve so much better than you. Enjoy your break, you messy bitch, and I hate you too.
7: Try not to curse so much around the baby.
8: Lights change and we're back in the present. I know I probably shouldn't have said all that, but I had to let it out. It ain't healthy to keep toxic energy all pent up, and I wasn't about to try after all of what she'd just dumped on me. Where is she anyway? Uh, Jeff told us she's in Georgia with family. Oh, I-, I thought she wasn't on good terms with her people down there, but. I guess maybe with everything she's been through here, they patched things up. What do you think, Jeff? Did they patch things up? When did she leave?
4: Later that same day, remember?
8: Not really. When you came to pick Hunter up, you said she was sleeping. Right,
4: but she snuck off when I wasn't paying attention. Well,
8: that's weird. Don't you think if she was gonna leave, she would have done it when you was out and the baby was over here safe? That's the note she left, right? Jeff, I can't live like
2: this no more. I left Hunter with Alma. I know you regret her getting rid of your baby, so think of this like a do-over. So, when exactly did she leave again? Right after she dropped the baby with this lady or right after she took a nap? Is this even her handwriting?
8: I, I don't know.
2: How did she leave town? On a plane? By bus? I. She, and how she, would she even get to the airport or to the bus depot? Did she call a cab? Do you even have cabs around here? Christina. Did she leave at all? Because I don't really think she did. I think she's still here in this house, and you just don't want us to talk to her. Michelle!
1: M- Michelle! Chris heads towards the back of the house. Jeff tries to stop her.
2: You tried to throw her under the bus, tried to make yourself out to be some kind of misguided saint. Chris reaches a door that Jeff does not want her to open.
1: Jeff physically throws her away from it before she can get her hand on the knob. Gerald goes after Jeff, grabbing him by the scruff and pinning him against a wall. Keep your hands off my daughter! Keep your daughter from sticking her nigger nose where it don't belong! Alma goes to comfort Hunter. Chris recovers and makes a beeline for the door Jeff was trying so hard to keep her from. No! Don't! Chris opens the door she recoils. The smell is awful. When she sees what's in the room, she backs away, eyes wide in horror. Oh my god. Scene 5. Alma's Yard. She sits in a lawn chair, Hunter in her arms. Poot sits in a chair next to
6: her. Why'd they take him in for questioning if it was a suicide? I don't
8: know. I guess they just want to get the story straight.
6: Well, shit. Good luck with that. I don't think he knows what the truth is anymore. Hit it from himself along with her body. Man. Man. Poor Michelle. Yeah. She
8: used the flag, you know.
6: Rebel flag? Really? Damn. What got to be going through your head to hang yourself with a Confederate flag?
8: <laughs> it's kind of
6: poetic. In a real f- Messed up kind of way. No kidding. Michelle always did have a flair for the dramatic. Man, I really had no idea.
8: You? The man came right over to my house after finding her hanging in their bedroom. Picked up his kid like it was just a regular Tuesday afternoon. Shit. That was a Tuesday afternoon. He was walking around carrying that for over a week. Jesus.
6: What's gonna happen now, you think? I mean, clearly, Jeff's out to lunch. You think they gotta drop him in the booby hatch?
8: Maybe. I hope they give him the help he needs. Get his mind right, you know?
6: Yeah. Me too.
8: The you smiling at, huh? You ain't got nothing to smile about, you little fool.
6: He got you. That's something.
8: Yeah. I guess I'll have to do. Now, a black
1: dog wanders up to Alma. It's Jeff's dog.
2: Huh.
5: Welcome to Midtown Manhattan. Yeah, Chelsea. Yeah. We're we in, Chelsea, in Chelsea, today. Chelsea. We're moving down to the swanky, the swanky parts of town. The Lower East Side. Yeah, we've so moved. Hot. We've moved six blocks south, and all of a sudden, there's no living with us. <laughs> um, uh, welcome to at the table, and we are here today. We are so. Thrilled. We're so thrilled. We've been really excited about this one, which I say a lot, but yeah, we to always like, thrilled. We're always thrilled. But this one is, is, is I special. Were saying that, I was
0: like, I'm going to make a super cut of all the time. We are oh,
1: thrilled. Thrilled, oh. thrilled, <laughs> thrilled, <laughs> thrilled. 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 Mm,
5: thrilled. I mean, listen, we're jazzed about today, though. We mm, are. Jazz we hands. Have, um, we're jazz hands about today, which you can't see. It's off mic. Um, uh, we're recording Kin by Chisa Hutchinson. That's correct. And we're going to be talking with Chisa, well, tomorrow, but you'll hear it as today.
1: You'll hear it in a couple weeks.
5: Yeah, any 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 day now. I don't really. Know It'll how be two weeks works. from
1: whenever you're listening to this release date.
5: Is that how that works?
1: Yeah, it's always two weeks later.
5: Huh? <laughs> just appears in my iPhone like magic. Which reminds me, <laughs> <laughs> this is the banter at the beginning where like we're warming people up. We're yeah. like your warm up. Also,
1: comics. I edit it later, so we just like snip snip. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking very about? Star. This is,
5: <laughs> this is the gold, everyone. Listen, you should just have had more Nyquil before you showed up. Um, thanks so, for admitting
1: that on microphone. I was really <laughs> waiting for it to show up.
5: I want them to know. I want them to know Very what's sure going on here.
1: I'm <laughs>
5: really, really I'm digging this play right now. Um, before we get started, we're gonna introduce um, this amazing cast that we have here today. Um well, let's go right around the room um, and uh, tell us who you are. Uh, li- something about yourself if you'd like, and we we want to know your favorite snack. That is a it's an at the table tradition. That's the word I'm thinking of. can we can we start here?
8: Sure. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Christine Verlaney. I will be alma-tillery. My favorite snack is a Take Five bar.
5: Ooh. Yum. What's the Take Five bar? Oh my god, it's five five things.
8: Chocolate, (laughs) nougat, caramel, pretzel, and peanut butter. Wow. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. That's why I like it because it's it's very regimented.
5: (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I dig that. Full junk food too and I respect that. Junk
1: food is always appreciated. What is happening?
0: I'm uh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> this could be part of it. I'm just um, lowering the shades. Marcus is
1: lowering the shades, everybody.
0: Because it's the uh, audio seen reflects, Sun in reflects weeks? off of glass more than it does against the oh.
1: The more you know.
5: La-de-de-de. So, uh, okay, it's five things. <laughs> <laughs> five things. <laughs> and a full junk food. Comes because in we've been getting two a lot pieces. of Two pieces. So you get two of them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really a take 10. Yeah.
8: Oh, yeah. That's uh, yeah, kind of
5: still five things. <laughs> yeah, but you get the twice. Times two. It's a multiplying. if there's a multiplier. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, Why in most... Powerball that would be ten. Listen. <laughs> 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 We've been getting a lot of casts who've been coming in here and do, giving us very like carrot carrot sticks. super
0: answers. healthy oh, no. choices. Mm-mm.
5: So now you can't say it. Were you about to say carrot sticks? <laughs> no, I okay, actually good. really don't like carrots.
7: Okay. Who good. are you? Um, I'm Michaela Iskierko, and I'm playing uh, Michelle Browning. And I think my favorite... I've, I've been stressed ever since you told us we were going to have to say our favorite That's snack. That's
5: not the goal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's not
7: at all the goal. I know. Um, I think it's popcorn. Yeah. With any manner of things Consistent on it. Consistent you know theme. I mean?
5: like, popcorn's it's been... Really good. It's been a podcast favorite here. Yeah. Do you have a favorite topping or thing to do with um, the popcorn? I like to put olive oil, Parmesan and like paprika Whoa. on it. Ooh, yeah. yeah. It's really
4: I good, you, know you, you guys. That. Yeah. <laughs> they, is that against the rules? Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's totally uh,
7: allowed. You can just pop like regular popcorn and then put whatever you want on it, that's which true. is oh. what it's I a, do.
5: That's true, it's great. It's a flavor vehicle, Do you, yeah. you, ever, do
8: you ever throw m ms in there?
7: I was just gonna yes. say, I had an ex-boyfriend who mm. used to do that, and like then they melt a little bit. But is that why he's an ex, it. or was that what
8: kept him mm. That can't
7: be the reason why. That's no, that was a reason to keep him. There are many reasons to keep him.
5: So much about you this is a that's why it's, it's a, a, a good valuable question, question. <laughs> hey Dustin oh hello
1: podcast listeners you may recognize an
5: um, old-time favorite an
1: old-time favorite <laughs> uh, playwright and
6: actor from our first play yes, *Parched*. Indeed. I'm back we, okay, okay. Uh, morning. Good can we cut it? uh I think the last time I was here I think I said cinnamon teddy grams you so, did so I'll so I'll switch it now to something that I just had to say goodbye to for the next several months which is Cadbury Mini Eggs. Yes. Mm. Which shouldn't be a snack so much oh as like God. a thing one has. And it's then, a it's a meal. Yeah, <laughs> very much so. In yeah. the in the quantities that I consume it. They are the uh,
8: perfect ratio of crunchy to chocolate. Could not
6: agree more. I went
8: to six Dwayne Reeds looking for them on sale.
5: Nobody had them.
6: It, you can't look for the after sale. I know it's, they they gone. disappear. Gone. You
5: can't look. Like it's a, like it's a... That's, special, they, that's actually it's the, the Brigadoon of, of, of Candy. Memoir. It is the Brigadoon of title <laughs> of Dustin's memoir. You <laughs> can't look for the aftersides. <laughs> Not for the Cadbury Mini Eggs. No, no.
6: That's the subtitle. <laughs> yeah.
5: Okay. okay. There we go. Cadbury Mini I'm Eggs. I'm still recovering.
6: It's still mm. sad. Oh my I'm God,
5: they're I'm so good. <laughs> <laughs> He's, for, for our listeners at home, he looks incredibly sad right now.
4: <laughs> really crestfallen. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. It's, full, it's a real thing, guys. The
5: full, 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 real sadness. Hey, Alex.
4: Hey, I'm Alex Bro. And I'm reading Jeff Browning, and I really enjoy dipping a warm chocolate chip cookie into a glass of 2% milk. Yeah. That makes me feel really good.
1: Yeah. Any, any specific brand or homemade? There is a Do you go to that upscale, upscale chain, chain restaurant like you in there? the New
4: York area called The Smith Restaurant, which yeah. on, they have a cookie platter of three large heated up chocolate chip cookies, and that is what I probably might go to.
1: Mm. yeah
4: yeah. that's usually a celebration snack Mm. of some sort celebrating
1: like (laughs) tying your shoes like yesterday
4: I had it and I was like Wednesday (laughs) (laughs) made it nothing's guaranteed in this life
5: Uh, now can I I I don't mean to put you on the spot but I've been fascinated about this and I've decided to ask you about it um, on Uh, mic for for those of you who who, uh, missed it you missed out because Alex uh, this past year was in an incredible show called uh, Red Speedo at New York Theatre Workshop. Um, And I always butcher the name of the playwright, excuse me. Lucas Nath. Lucas Nath, who yeah. who wrote uh, *Doll's House* Part Two, that's up on uh, up on the Broadway. Have to see starting tonight, which is phenomenal. Uh, Dustin and I got to see it last night. Um, and you were in a speedo for the entirety of the show, and you swam in a pool, and you were in like you're. He's a for those of you at home, he's a fit dude. Anyway, and you eat chocolate chip cookies.
4: Oh man, not when I was in the red speedo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The
5: well, Red I,
4: speedo was a amazing artistic event in my life, but. Also, I have a really very lonely time in the food department.
5: <laughs> well, I read an interview because I was creeping on you um, while you were in the show, and I was very excited about all the cool press you were getting. And you gave an interview about how yeah. you thought your first stop after the show closed was going to be the Cheesecake Factory. And I yeah. wanted to know if this happened. and if so Oh, much yeah, yeah. Thought. If
4: you, uh, my Instagram account, you'll see a photo of me in front of uh, Linda's Fudge Cake, which is my go-to dessert, which is... Uh, 1400 calories per (laughs) slice i'm not making that up literally what's Um, your instagram cali underscore bro which is a play on my last name my last name is b-r-e-a-u-x and uh i have a lot of close friends and some family that don't know my first name they just call me bro Mm. so
5: yeah and now our listeners at home can go and take a look at linda's fudge cake on your instagram Yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: we might even put a little picture of it on our website
5: Done. Yeah. I'm so into our website being used for that. that. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, listeners at home, you have a, a special treat today. Um, normally, you would hear the uh, illustrious Ned Donovan uh, on on stage directions, Hi. but you're in the show today. I'm
1: in this one.
5: <laughs> so tell us who you are. and What you like to eat?
1: Hey, I'm I'm Ned. Uh, you've heard my voice too much by now, and uh, my favorite snack is going to stay consistent because I really want them to sponsor us. Yeah. Uh, it's the Chicago Mix Popcorn, which is the half cheddar oh, uh, cheddar nice. cheese corn, half caramel corn in a mm-hmm. bag. It's blue, you can get it at like Trader Joe's and Whole Foods and other such bougie, bougie places. And uh, that is my favorite snack. I can eat a whole bag of that in six minutes. Who,
5: is that Garrett who
1: makes that? No, it's 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 one of those two-letter names. Like we J-P should really blank. figure out who they are
5: if we want them to sponsor yeah. us.
1: I was hoping you weren't gonna ask that, my phone's off, we'll find oh, okay. it.
5: Well, if you're listening and you make the Chicago Mix Popcorn, send it i don't send know it. what to yeah yeah no that's do. a good
1: sponsorship
5: just send it send, a, send like a box chelsea yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> opera
1: america courtesy that's a donation
5: of. in kind right that's yeah. what that's called courtesy okay, of okay. charging moose meat all right so um, cool. we're gonna pretend like we this is all in one and we just we're going right down the line um so next we have latoya hi who are you
2: hi i am latoya edwards um <laughs> I'm actually not doing too much right now, but that's fine. That's I'm totally, rad. Yeah,
5: yeah, totally okay with that. You're hanging out in, in Chelsea with I a bunch of neer do I
2: am, yeah. and I'm so excited about <laughs> it. So, <laughs> um, But my favorite snack, I heard that question and got so excited. It's either a family-sized box of goldfish or... Um, blue raspberry sour power straws. Yes, those are my two. Wow.
5: Sour, but you're the first one for sour power straws. Yes. in five episodes, I have which to. feels like a huge oversight in yeah. the snack community. to Yeah, me. it's so good. Ugh. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to have them when I was a kid. Anything that dyed my tongue blue wasn't allowed, blue and I wanted it all the, the more. The benchmark. Yeah, that was the litmus test. That was the <laughs> quite
0: literal. Yeah, that
5: was the. No, I think we just weren't. I was a twin, so she didn't need children running around with that much sugar. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Oh, but now I want them all the time as an adult. You should. You should. That's
2: and if you're going to pick any artificial flavor, I mean, blue raspberry. Blue. Blue. This- blue.
5: Literally. <laughs> blue. Can't go wrong with it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Calvin, how are you?
3: Hi, I'm hi. well. Yes. Who hi. Are I am Calvin M. Thompson, and I'm playing Gerald Lamont. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just got back from doing uh, Voodoo Macbeth, playing Macbeth. And so um, Macbeth. Voodoo Macbeth, Orson Welles did it in 1939 here in New York. And so um, they put it, basically it was like a Macbeth set in Haiti. And they pulled up like voodoo themes around all the witches and the witchcraft. Wow. Yeah, it's very dope. Very cool. Yeah. Background. yeah. That's yeah. rad. Yeah. That's pretty yeah.
5: Nice. Yeah. Welcome back. Yeah. yeah, I'm happy to well, I be think back. everyone in the room is sad they missed that one. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. And so then my favorite uh, snack. Um, is uh, Fairway has this almond butter? Oh yes, they do. Oh yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> it's this almond butter, and I put it with a little banana uh, snackage, yeah. and it's just like amazing.
5: That's yeah. nice. And he got we got a good whole food. That's a healthier, yeah, on the healthier yes. end. Even though it's peanut butter, to, I would eat a jar of it. But.
3: I, listen, I eat the whole thing in one night. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's a good way to round out snack
5: snack corner here on the
3: episode all right let's get to it this
0: episode was produced by charging Moose media telling great stories through new media this episode was edited by ned donovan and mixed by marcus Bogala. original music by marcus as well as always our hosts are rachel flynn and ned donovan we'd like to thank our playwright chisa hutchinson and the cast also if you're in new york city Make sure to get over to second stage and see Chisa's play, Somebody's Daughter, which has just been extended through June 25th. If you'd like to know more about Chisa, Kin, Somebody's Daughter, and all sorts of other super awesome stuff, be sure to check out our interview with Chisa, which releases in two weeks. And the usual refrain. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Every little bit helps us secure sponsors and keep bringing you exciting new plays each month. And other fun stuff too. Cheers!